You're listening to the J. John Podcast. My guest is Hope Price, author of Angels. Hope, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you. We're going to focus on your book, Angels. Okay, there are over 300 references in the Bible yes. to angels. That's, that's right. That's a lot, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Um, what began your curiosity with angels and what? how did you end up putting this book together? Actually, I'd had no intention of writing a book about angels or about anything. I was a nurse, not an author, um, but God clearly called me. Um, he put the subject of angels in front of us several times through somebody at church saying they'd seen an angel, through a home group we went to, somebody talked about angels, a conference we went to, someone talked about angels. And it was becoming more and more common. And God was saying to me, there needs to be a book about angels, about people seeing them today. Um, And there wasn't anything um, in the shops like that. And so I, I then went to a conference for clergy wives And the main speakers were Joyce and David Huggett. But the first evening, we had another speaker called Edward England, who was a publisher for Hodder and Stoughton. And he came to talk to us for an hour about his love of books and how he had been led into the publishing world. And one sentence he said just struck me straight between the eyes. Um, He said, um, as a publisher, I'm always on the lookout for people to write about subjects where there's a gap in the market. And immediately God said to me, I've been telling you about angels. It's a gap in the market. I want you to write about it. And I was so stunned. And I knew that I had to go and tell Edward England about this afterwards. And he said, yes, real gap in the market. Yes, please write about it. First write an article for Renewal magazine, which he also published. And then when you've written the book, I'll publish that. Well, if you know anything about books, uh, yes. offers like that don't don't come no. easily. And um, and I just went back to the room I was sharing with about four other clergy wives and told them that evening. And the next day, news travelled like wildfire. And the next day at lunch, I was sitting next to David Huggett. And he said, I hear you're going to write a book about angels. <laughs> and I said, yes, so it appears. It's a bit of a surprise. Absolutely. And he said, did Edward say he would publish it? And I said, yes, he did. He said, well, if for any reason he doesn't, I will publish it. I said, I thought you were a vicar. And he said, yes, but I'm also involved with um, a publishing company and we would be interested. So it went from there. That's how the story started. (laughs) What are angels? Explain that to us. Angels are God's messengers who he sends to earth when he needs some message Um, shown to us. So it could be protection. It could be rescue from danger. It could be giving a verbal message to somebody. It could be angels singing um, and showing um, God's glory. And and when they come to earth, they have travelled at no um, speed (laughs) um, because God can send them at any time. And then when they disappear from our sight, again, 
there's no control over um, where they go and, and how they go. They go back to God. And what do they do? Some have rescued people from danger. Some have protected people who are in danger. Some have encouraged um, somebody who is in a, a vulnerable situation. Um, some have needed to receive a message and, um, and have been given a, a distinct message. Have you seen an angel? Um, when I first started writing this, I felt as a family we needed protection. And uh, I went to see Bishop Bannett Chu, who was a friend of ours and lived near us. And as he was um, praying for us as a family, he prayed protection over our health, our home, we lived in a vicarage, and our car. And as he mentioned car, I could see the back of our car um, in my mind's eye the day before. It had been our day off, We'd parked it at the bottom of a National Trust hill and we'd gone for a walk up the hill. On the way, we'd met two rough-looking men who said, it's lovely at the top, you know, enjoy your walk. When we got back to the car, as I went to get into the car, the handle came off in my hand. So somebody had been attacking our car. Um, but the odd thing was, when we did get into the car, nothing was moved. It was as if nothing had been touched at all. Nobody had got in. But as Bishop Banichu was praying, I could see at the back of the car and I could see these two men approach the car, one either side, with screwdrivers, and they both bent down and they were um, trying to work at the door handle. And as they got, as the one on the left, the passenger side, got to the point of being able to get into the car, they both stood up and shrieked and ran away. Because at that moment, I then saw that there were two men sitting in the car. And um, they hadn't been there before. Otherwise, these men wouldn't have come up to the car with people sitting in them, sitting inside. So these two, I think, angels, um, but looking like ordinary people, were then sitting in the car when um, they got to the point of being able to break into the car, which is why they didn't. So, picking up on that hope, um, sometimes angels have wings and look angelic and sometimes they look human. Yes. Quite often they look human. They look like an ordinary person. But when you discover that um, they disappear in front of your eyes, um, that's when you know that they weren't an ordinary person with an address to go back home to. Um, they are sent by God to do something specific. Now, your son, Luke, when he was a baby, yes. and a couple of other occasions, has seen angels. Yes. Tell us about that. Tell us, how did you know as a baby he'd seen angels? He was 11 weeks old, and we were at All Nations Christian College training to be missionaries to go to Rwanda. And Jeff and I would pray for him uh, at bedtime when we put him to bed. And he was looking up at me um, while we were praying for him. And when we'd finished the prayer, Jeff went to our bedroom. But because Luke was still awake, I carried on talking to him. And then he turned and looked away from me behind to the wall. 
So I looked up to see what he was looking at at the wall and I saw a head and shoulders shape, dazzling white. But from his reaction, he was seeing a face because babies of that age don't smile at white shapes. They smile at faces, colours, mobiles, things that move. And as I saw that head and shoulders dazzling white shape, the room was filled with an incredible sense of peace. The Bible describes it as the peace that passes understanding. It filled the room, it filled me, I was fixed to the spot. It lasted several minutes. And at the same time that it disappeared, the shape on the wall disappeared, at the same moment Luke turned back and smiled at me again. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that an angel had come to protect Luke as a result of our prayers. Uh, to protect him from? Whatever. Just to keep him? Yes, to keep him safe. Keep him safe. I'd been a health visitor up until that point, uh, locally in Croxley Green. And um, I had um, known many babies who had died of cot deaths. And so I was praying specifically that Luke would be kept safe. Yes. And I called Jeff and I said, I've seen an angel, Luke's seen an angel, and described what had happened. And we wrote it in his baby book and we told lots of people at the time. Um, and it was a special part of Luke's growing up. Uh, but also when Luke was seven. Yes, by that time we had been to Rwanda, we'd come back, uh, we were living at my parents' home uh, while Jeff was training for the ministry. And Luke had had nightmares for several nights running for several weeks. And each time he woke up crying, this was may have been during the night when we'd already gone to bed or it may have been in the evening um, before we went to bed, but after Luke had. He would wake up crying and we would pray for him that he would have peace and be comforted. But this had gone on so long that we decided one night that um, the four of us would hold hands before Luke went to sleep and pray that he wouldn't have any more bad dreams, as he called his nightmares. And that night he didn't wake up. And the next morning at breakfast, he said, um, some angels came to see me in the night. And we said, you were dreaming, Luke. And he said, no, no, I wasn't dreaming. There were five of them and they were as tall as daddy and they had kind faces. And I said, are you sure you weren't dreaming? And he said, no, I was definitely not dreaming. And they gave me a message. So we said, what was the message? And he said, um, they said, I'll have a good life and they'll come and see me when I'm 19. Well, that was an odd thing to say. Absolutely. <laughs> when he was seven, why 19? You know, so it must have been what he'd heard. Um, and then this book, Angels, was published when Luke was 18. And um, when he was at college and he wasn't yet 19. And on his 20th birthday, we phoned Luke because he was away at college. And I said, 20, Luke, do you feel 20? Oh no, mum, I won't feel 20 until 20 to 10 tonight. That was the time he was born. So all day he celebrated his birthday and had a good day. 
That evening he went to his home group and the home group leader, uh, when they'd had their Bible study about 9.30, the home group leader said, I think we should start our prayer time by all praying for Luke. So they all surrounded him and they all reached out and prayed for him. And the home group leader prayed specifically for Luke, um, that the Lord would bless him. And Luke went down on the floor in the spirit, but was, you know, completely aware of what was happening. And in his mind's eye, he saw himself sitting on his bed at his digs. And he was reading his Bible and an angel was sitting beside him. And then he saw another view of his room. At that time, he was sitting on his bed with his legs out on, uh, along the bed and an angel was standing by the door. And then he saw um, he was riding his bike to college and there was an angel on the back with his arms around Luke's uh, waist and wings in the flowing, blowing in the breeze. And then he saw himself at college sitting writing at a desk and an angel bending over him. And he knew he had been in all of those situations that week, but he hadn't seen an angel. And then the home group leader said, Luke, God wants you to know he doesn't lie. 10 minutes before he stopped being 19, God showed Luke these four visions of angels. So your son Luke has had visitations from angels on three occasions. Yes, not since. Not <laughs> since. No. How did it affect him? Did it change him? It helped him to know that God is real. Now, what about those of us that would love to see an angel? We don't know why God blesses some people with a sight of an angel. For most people, it only happens once. Um, it's unusual for Luke to have had this three times. Um, and the first time was for my benefit, really, wasn't it? Because he couldn't yes. remember when he was 11 weeks. Um, and at the time... We were nothing to do with angels. You know, this was years before I started writing about angels and God showed me that I should. Um, so it was a big surprise. Uh, it must have been a big surprise. Uh, you, you've written about lots of different people in the book. Uh, which stories stand out for you? Um, there are 300 experiences in the book and many of them are amazing visions of angels, as you said, angelic looking. Um, but I think some of the ones which surprised me most were the ones that looked like ordinary people. Um, and one of those was to a couple called Bob and Violet Code. And I think when it, uh, um, an angel is seen by more than one person, it perhaps has more if impact. Bob and Violet lived in Cornwall. In, it was 1969, so it was in the days before mobile phones. Um, they were going to um, visit someone in Helston. And as they were driving down the road, they saw an elderly gentleman standing um, at the side of the road. They decided to offer him a lift. He said, oh, yes, that would be really good. I'm going to Red Ruth. But that was in the opposite direction. But if he'd been on the other side of the road, they wouldn't have stopped. They said they weren't in a hurry, so they would drive the six miles to Redruth. And um, it, because they had a, a two-door car, 
Violet got in the back seat so that this elderly man could sit in the front. All the way, he was saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. When they got to Red Ruth, they stopped at a traffic lights and Bob turned to him and said, where would you like to get out? And he said, this will do fine and vanished. He didn't open the door, he didn't get out, he just vanished. Bob was looking at him from the side, Vi was looking at him from the back seat. He just disappeared. And they were so surprised that they didn't feel like driving to where they were originally going to go. They decided to go and visit their friend Bert Campbell in um, Red Roof, where they'd just arrived. And, and when Bert's wife um, opened the door, he said, oh, praise the Lord, he sent you. And they said, what do you mean? And they said, we've been trying to get a hold of you. Uh, we needed you to come and, um, and we couldn't get in touch with you. So we asked God to send you. And the reason why they needed someone to come was because they had about 200 young people coming to a, a meeting that evening and the speaker was ill and couldn't come. So they wanted one of them to speak instead. So they asked the Lord to send them. I mean, that is remarkable. I mean, that certainly gives you a faith lift, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, amazing. What about the, the mother who let go of her pram? That was Kerry, Kerry Cole. There? That was in Cornwall. And she was, um, had a new baby, um, her, her first baby. She'd been given one of those big old-fashioned heavy prams um, by somebody. And she was just getting used to managing the pram. She put shopping underneath on the bottom trolley. It was heavy. And um, she was with a friend and they were looking in a shop window. And Kerry accidentally left, let go of the handle and it was a slope. So the pavement was sloped down to the road and Kerry looked up horrified to discover that her baby was rolling towards three lanes of traffic and was very near the edge of the pavement and there was nobody around to stop it. And she cried out, God help me. And at that moment, a man in a brown coat was um, right by the pram and stopped it. And she rushed over and said, oh, praise the Lord. And he said, yes, indeed, handed her the pram and vanished. Just vanished in front of her? In front of her and her friend. They were both amazed. They, they were astonished that, that this man could just disappear and appear. Because when she looked around and saw the, the pram careering towards the road, um, there was no man there. Tell us about the story about the trailer with the canoes that was trying to park. That was Richard and Basil. They were going to a camp um, and the day before the boys' camp was beginning, they needed to get the canoes down onto the um, river. And um, they had this big trailer and neither of them were used to towing trailers and reversing trailers and, and things. So they accidentally got the wheel of the trailer um, stuck over the edge of a dis disused canal, which was next to the river. And because it was disused, um, there was no way that they would get, could get under the um, trailer to get it released from this um, disused canal where it was stuck. They tried, they tried to pull with the, the vehicle that they were towing with, they tried to get round and move it, they couldn't. Um, and so they just got to the point where they decided they were going to have to abandon it 
and walk back over the fields to where the camp was to get help, to get other men to come and help them. And at that moment, two men in check shirts hopped over a stile, said, can we help? And they explained the problem. And those two men literally just lifted it and, um, and it was back on the road. And they turned to thank them and they'd vanished. Again. And Richard and Basil were, again, amazed to, that these men disappeared. Tell us about the mother whose boiler, single mother, and the boiler broke down. She had no hot water. Yeah, what this, happened This then? was Patricia. Um, she was worried that she had no hot water for herself and her three children, but she was more concerned that because it was a gas boiler, maybe it could explode. She was frightened. But she didn't have enough money to pay for a, a plumber to come. Um, she had phoned a couple of plumbers, um, but the, the amount that they quoted was much more than she could pay, so she hadn't given anybody her address. Instead, she prayed that God would help her. And within half an hour, a man knocked at the door and said he was a plumber come to fix her boiler. She was so surprised she showed him the boiler. So, so he started she to, had not contacted anybody. You no, know, she hadn't told anyone her address. So, or, I mean, or phone I number. mean, talk about being surprised, though. <laughs> she was very surprised. <laughs> so he's like, "I've come to to fix your boiler." Yes. So while he was in the kitchen fixing the boiler, she was standing in the hall, and she thought, "How did he know? And how am I going to pay him?" Um, and then after a while, she heard the boiler getting going and, you know, water chugging around the radiators and and she knew that he'd fixed it. And then he came out into the hall and she said, uh, what do I owe you? And he said, that's all right, love, have that one on me. And he went to the front door, he opened the front door and went out and she was stunned and she followed him and he wasn't there. He wasn't on the doorstep. He wasn't walking down the path. There was no van outside. The, the heating was fixed. So obviously angels know how to fix boilers. Yes. <laughs> and so, not like plumbers. Yes. Yeah. So uh, um, they come to support, to protect, to guide, to provide. So God, God is doing this, Hope, to encourage his church and his people and see his church enriched and his kingdom extended. Yes. Is that your understanding of the ministry of angels? Yes, they do what God has sent them to do. Um, and um, and they are his, his messengers to help his ministry. And sometimes it's um, particularly to do with spiritual warfare. Um, one lady who wrote to me was called Andrea, and she was very aware of um, the dangers of uh, spiritual opposition in the area where she lived in Wales. And so she had particularly been praying about teenagers in the area who might be affected and her own teenagers. And, um, and on one occasion, she looked out of the window and she saw angels marching in armour, marching along, um, all um, very determined in their walk. And she felt that that was to protect. And on another occasion, um, when she was praying, 
um, she looked out of the window and saw a very powerful white dazzling angel, huge, just outside her door. And she knew that God was answering her prayer for protection for these teenagers. Can we pray and ask God to send us angels? Yes, we shouldn't speak to angels. We shouldn't um, pray specifically um, at, at angels, with angels, but we can ask God to send angels. Um, do, do you think we have guardian angels? I don't think we have one specific guardian angel. I think that um, God sends angels one ten, a thousand, however many we need to protect us at the time. But I don't think we have an angel sitting on our shoulder, like some people have said, or um, a new age idea is that you have an angel, you can know his name, you can speak to him, you can ask him to do things for you, you can send him off to do things for other people. I, I don't uh, think that that's biblical at all. Um, I think that God wants us to worship him and we should ask him to help us, to help other people. And if he chooses to send angels, that's brilliant. And it's a blessing and a privilege. And obviously he does choose to send angels, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He does. A lot more than most people think. When I speak in a, a, a church a group or something, um, Maybe none of those people think that they know anyone who's seen an angel, but there are likely to be several people in that group who have seen angels and they come and tell me afterwards, um, but they hadn't told anyone because they were shy or they thought people wouldn't believe them um, or they had told people who didn't believe them and thought they were over the top. So then they hold it in their hearts. So these 1,500 people who wrote to me when I was first writing the book, many people said, I told a couple of people at the time when it happened, but they didn't believe me. So since then, I've held it in my heart and I haven't, um, uh, I haven't shared it with others. Angels, and as your subtitle says, true stories of how they touch our lives. Thank you. Hope for joining us and telling us these stories. Thank you for being on Facing the Canon. Thank you. I hope that's uh, inspired you. Well, I, I'd love to see an angel. I'm sure you as well. Well, maybe the Lord, uh, as a result of this conversation, might, um, I suppose, make us more receptive to... Uh, receiving his messengers or seeing his messengers. But the thing is this, that God does care for us and uh, God wants to help us and bless us and protect us and guide us. And uh, we need to cling to that truth. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again.